So how do you like living in a post-Christian society where the living out of our faith, well, that climb just got a little bit steeper, wouldn't you agree? But yet God has a plan. God is involved. Nothing catches him by surprise. So what you're going through, what a family member is going through, particularly when it comes to working out perceived plan and purpose that God has for their life. Without a missional quality to life, how depressing it would be. Last week, Dr. Youssef talked about how we find David in the cave of Abdullam, to which he said, we all have a cave moment in our lives. Any amens to that? All right, we're, we're together here. God has a plan. He has a purpose. So when life gets difficult, when the pressures of life are bearing in upon us, specifically with respect to the living out of God's purpose for our lives, when we recognize that God is intricately involved, we can say even in the toughest of times, all is well. I want you to find a copy of the Scriptures. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 23. And guess what? The difficulties of life continue for David. In preparation for being with you today, David was anointed to be king by Samuel when he was around 15 years of age. He becomes king at 30, and he reigns as king for 40 years. And as it tells us in the book of Acts, when the purposes for David's life were fulfilled, he died. The question we have to ask ourselves, what did God have in mind between ages 15 and 30? That's 15 years. I submit to you it was about preparing. Preparing David. Isn't it interesting that the king we speak most about is David. And he is the one that God pressed in upon and allowed difficulty to come into his life before assuming the role of king more than any other. You have to know Saul, he didn't go through it. Solomon, David's son, did not go through it. And then you have the divided kingdom years. The northern kingdom Israel, 19 kings. The southern kingdom of Judah, 20 kings. 
Israel, no good kings. Judah, eight good kings. You know how I remember that? Walk through the Old Testament. But it's interesting that David is going through a time of refinement, a season of intense preparation that we do not find with any other king that I know of. And so we set the stage for 1 Samuel chapter 23. Follow along, please. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Kilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Kilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. God is involved. The providence of God assures David that he is to go and all will be well. Verse 5, And David and his men went to Kilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kilah. When Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David, to Kilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Kilah, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Saul is rejoicing. I got him now. You know that David is running for his life. Saul is intent on killing him. Verse 8, And Saul summoned all the people to war, to go down to Kilah, to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kilah surrender me into his hand? Now you have to realize David just saved Kilah. Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, are you following? Has God ever come back and said some tough things to you? You know, the impression on your heart, you just know that you know that you know. What did the Lord tell David? He will come down. Then David said, 
Will the men of Kyla surrender me and my men and into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, you following? They will surrender you. David did a good thing for them, and now they're going to turn him into Saul. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Kilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kilah, he gave up the expedition. Do you see the providence of God? Even though God allowed a difficult thing, he had a plan, a way of escape for David. And David remained in the strongholds, in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Sif. And Saul sought him every day. But God did not give him into his hand. Sometime what you are going through or what a loved one is going through, it just does not let up. Verse 15, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Sif at Horish. Notice who enters. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. We're going to talk more about this in a bit. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. Then the Siphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horish, on the hill of Hakalah, which is south of Jeshemon? Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. Not only were those in Kilah going to turn David in, but now the Siphites were as well. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Go, make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is, and who has seen him there, for it is told me that he is very cunning. Saul never realized that God had departed from him. He's thinking he's hearing from God. Verse 23, See therefore... And take note of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Sif ahead of Saul. Now, folks, this last paragraph, really tune into this in terms of the providence and the working of God. I'm going to set it up with this. Would you dare to believe that God is closer than you could ever imagine and more active than you could ever believe? Don't run past that. Would you dare to believe 
that God is closer than you could ever imagine and more active than you could ever, ever believe. Here's an illustration. Now, David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. David, not safe. Verse 26, Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. Do you get the picture? One side of the mountain, there's Saul. David on the other side of the mountain, and David is just running for dear life. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. You don't think God's timing's perfect? Saul can almost see David. He's gaining ground on David. David's time is running out, and without God's miraculous intervention, David is done. Verse 28, I just love this chapter. So Saul, returning from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines, therefore that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. When we were in the Holy Land, Renee and I and several others, we went to Engedi. And you see the hillside just caves along the way. And maybe that was a cave of refuge for David. Do we have a good God? Mm. You know, it tells us in John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, John says, the Lord speaking through him, God is saying, and I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish Neither will any man pluck them out of my hand. For my Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. We call that eternal security, don't we? And then in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew, the Lord saying through him, He who endures unto the end will be saved. We call that the perseverance of the saints. Did you know between these two bookends, there is the living out of God's planned purpose for your life? His providence is a very real thing. 
And so for us to maintain focus, for us to realize that God is going to allow tough seasons to last a whole lot longer than we would prefer. And what He allows, He allows ultimately for His glory. What is going to help us to keep focus and to carry on and to share the gospel, even if we take some hits for it in our new society, in this post-Christian world in which we now live? I submit to you community. And that's what we're going to talk about for about 20 minutes. There's no accident that Jonathan shows up at just the right time, Saul's son. And you know by now, Jonathan has accepted the fact that David is to be the next king. He is not. And David loved Jonathan, and Jonathan loved David. There was a tremendous friendship, talking about community. And so Jonathan speaks truth into David's life. As we go back into this chapter, Jonathan arrives. Who do you think put it on the heart and mind of Jonathan to go to David? I think the Lord did. I don't think I'm stretching... uh, interpretation. But you know, when the Lord said all good things come from the Father above, I think it qualifies that God can put such a thought on your heart to go and to be a friend to a hurting brother, and you just leave what you're doing, and you go, and you're there. Jonathan made a conscious decision. I believe that was put there by the Lord Himself. And that conscious decision was to go to David to remind him of the promises of God and to strengthen him in the Lord. Now, one of the many privileges that Dr. Youssef has given to me is to work very closely with the men of our beloved church family. And guys, allow me to to share just a few things, if I might. Because life has taken a turn, our society has taken such a turn that the day for us guys to just talk about the weather and who won the game last night, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if that is the extent of our conversation and the depth of our friendship, that day is over. For us to make it in this new world, this this new society, which I personally believe that our country is at a tipping point, and the next 10 years are going to be very, very crucial to where we go for the rest of our time as a country. You may think I'm overreacting. I don't think so. 
And guys, it is our privilege, it is our opportunity to speak into one another's life and to know that we're not alone. And you know, the Lord has... uh, And I've been a, a pastor for some 40 years. And one of the things, as an example of how God is moving me forward in really having some deep relationships with, with men. One of the things I, I always said to folks who were sharing a heartache, I'm going to be praying for you. Have you ever said that? I'm going to be praying for you. And we mean that. But chances of us praying are slim to none given the pace of life and all the distractions that are going on. You know what I've started doing? Now, you've got to realize I'm 40 years into this. What I've started doing, let's pray right now. And it's amazing. It could be over the phone. And if I'm talking to a guy that's driving and he's, he agrees to pray, I do remind him to keep his eyes open. <laughs> All I can tell you is that the depth of those friendships, I mean, when you actually pray with another to encourage, to remind of the promises of God, I mean, when you pray, you know you're bringing Jesus Christ into the situation. You know, that's one way where we can really speak into one another's life. Dear friend who is with me on Tuesday mornings at the Hub, Bill Cole, he's sitting right back here. And no, I didn't know he was coming. But Bill and I have this growing friendship, and prayer is so much a part of that. And Bill has been just such a a deep source of inspiration because he is just so transparent and just no pretense and no image control. And this is where I am. And gaining sense of it all. And yes, we have prayed together. Guys, when's the last time you, or gals, when's the last time you you wrote a letter? Guys to another guy or ladies to another lady. I didn't say email. (laughs) It's easy to blast off an email, right? Ten seconds, done. And because the communique is written so quickly, there are a lot of things that are left unsaid. Wouldn't you agree with that? Whereas when you're writing a letter, you're putting more time and thought into it. So the end product, if you will, goes deeper. It lodges deeper into the heart of that one that the Lord has put on your heart. I'm going to take you back a few years. Oh, you don't know his name, Samuel Pierce. He was part of a band of brothers, the Baptist Society. God brought five guys together in the 1700s. Their names, John Ryland, John Sutcliffe, Andrew Fuller, Samuel Pierce, and last of all, William Carey. You know that name, William Carey? He gave it all 
to go to a foreign land, India, proclaim the gospel. Well, this little band of brothers, they waited for over a year to hear from John Carey and, or William Carey. And um, they were so taken by what he wrote to them, Samuel Pierce responded with this. The account you gave us inspired us with new vigor and greatly strengthened our hands in the Lord. We read and wept and praised and prayed. Oh, who but the Christian feels such pleasures and are connected with friendship for our dear Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. So maybe we ought to write that letter. We may want to have that moment of prayer. Community. So while these are very turbulent times and divisive times in our society and so forth, when given to the providence and the plan of God, if we draw together even closer as a church family, You know what we're going to be able to say? These are the best of times. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Are there any amens to that? Come on now. Are there any amens to that? All right. Just asking. So there's Jonathan. How about David? Ah, the promises of God. What I want to say about uh, David is so telling. If we recognize that God was intricately involved in the movement of David during this 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel, and we do, I am so proud of David because he welcomed Jonathan, he received Jonathan. Now, guys, you know I love you, right? You know, we always want to be the Jonathan, but nobody wants to be the David in the story. You know why? Because us guys, we want to come across and portray the image, hey, we've got this. I'm okay. Somebody dares to speak into a guy's life, sometimes... We got that force filled up. Uh, Now, you go and encourage somebody else, but I'm doing okay. Have you ever done that? I mean, guys, I was a pastor in Virginia and all that sort of thing. I can't tell you how many times I did that. And yet the pastor can be the loneliest guy in town. What made me do that? But I'm so proud of David because he welcomed Jonathan into his life. Jonathan could speak into his life to press in, to remind him of the promises of God, the providence of God, that God's will is going to be worked out. I somehow think David may have been closer to just exhaustion 
than one could imagine. Imagine just being on the run day after day after day. Imagine caring for a loved one, and it just doesn't get any better. Day after day after day, and yet there are those moments when as a loved one or a dear friend, and you can't explain it, that name is just on your heart and on your mind, and that... If we learn anything from this 23rd chapter, I want us to learn that maybe that's God's signal for us to make that call. To stop what you're doing and join that guy. And you'll never know what you're going to hear and you will never fully understand how much you have helped another guy. Ladies, you apply it. But for this moment, it's just guy to guy. That's why we do men's fraternity. That's why we do the hub. A place for community. And before I leave this, guys, the more successful we become, the more isolated we can become. Because we get a little cynical thinking somebody's calling me just to get something. And so we got that force field thing going on. Maybe we need to make a decision from this 23rd chapter as to the linkage between Jonathan and David. I want to bring us to a close You know, we kind of smile when it comes to Saul being on one side of the mountain, David on the other. Saul's closing in. And out of nowhere, one of Saul's soldiers says, Hey, the the Philistines are raiding. We got to pull off here and go. And what in the world is the chance of that? The only thing that's going to keep us in the battle is to realize how closely the Lord is in understanding and clearing the way for us to be spared, for us to continue. Now, there's just one thought that comes to my mind in all of this. And Renee and I have talked about this of late. The one thing that God is passionate about, not the only thing, but the top of the list, is that God seeks to glorify His name throughout all the earth. Now, what does that mean? It means that the Lord is passionate about showing this world how faithful He is, that He can be trusted, how beautiful He is, the way that He loves, the way that He cares, all the fruit of the Spirit. That started from the Lord. Hear Paul say again the listing, not that it's exhaustive, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control gentleness, 
Against such there is no law. In other words, it's not limited. And you know, every time we apply what the Lord is bringing our way today, did you know that God is using you to display His beauty, His splendor, His power, His faithfulness to a hurting world? And I don't know about you, but today's world... How they need to see the beauty of the Lord. And here we are worshiping and we get to be here today and to be reminded of the splendor, the closeness, the intimacy which we have with the Lord. Let's go back to uh, William Carey and how brothers encourage brothers. What I read to you a bit ago, that short letter that Samuel Pierce authored was in 1792. What I'm about to share with you is a prayer, a letter that he sent to William Carey two years later, 1794, October 4. William Carey, now for two years, three years, 15,000 miles from home, fighting the fight of faith with one comrade surrounded by millions of unbelievers. So Samuel Pierce writes to encourage William Carey. This is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Samuel Pierce says this, Brother, I long to stand by your side And participate in all the vicissitudes of the attack, an attack which nothing but cowardice can make unsuccessful. Yes, the captain of our salvation marches at our head. Sometimes he may withdraw his presence, but not his power, to try our prowess with our spiritual arms and celestial armor. Oh, what cannot a lively faith do for the Christian soldier? It will bring the deliverer from the skies. It will array him as with a vesture dipped in blood. It will place him in the front of the battle and put a new song on our mouths. These made war with the lamb, but the lamb shall overcome them. Yes, he shall. The victory is sure before we enter the field. The crown is already prepared to adorn our brows, even that crown of glory which fadeth not away. And already we have already resolved what to do with it. We will lay it at the conqueror's feet and say, Not to us, O Lord. Not unto us, but to thy name give glory. While all heaven unites in the chorus, worthy is the Lamb. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts. Lord, there's a lot going on in this 23rd chapter. And your chosen servant, David, is on the run. And you were faithful to bring a dear brother into his life, a dear friend into his life. And because of that, David is strengthened, resolved, renewed, so that he would one day at 30 reign as king. And we're still talking about his life, a heart after God. Father, worthy is your name. Not unto us, but unto you. May we bring glory. Worthy. 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 Is the Lamb. Oh, Father, be glorified in our lives. Even as we sing. And may this set the stage for a week where we know we are on mission for you. And even in the toughest of these days, oh, they're the best days, Father, because you walk with us, you point the way, and nothing comes into our lives without first passing through your loving hands for your glory. Oh, Lord.